0: And it's one, two, three, get some whiskey and me tea. Make sure it's Irish whiskey, that's whiskey with an E. Give me one, two, three, pour some whiskey and me tea. Let's drink to the health of our nations and for peace and liberty. So it's one, two, three, get that whiskey flowing free. We are parting glass, be mean our last, our souls forever free. Give me one, two, three.
1: Ohaio gzaimasu. hili so.
0: Welcome to the show, Ma, to,
1: uh, Emmett, welcome to the show. For everyone listening out there in Podcast Land, of course, you are listening to another episode of Pot Still Radio. We are on our new international series where we're bringing you to all around the world to Irish whiskey markets that are far flung and as different from Ireland as you can be. And this week's episode, you may have noticed already, we are going to the fantastic. Asian market of Japan, the land of the rising sun, and I'm being joined by a very special guest, a man who knows the Japanese market from an Irish goods perspective, Mr. Emmett Duffy. Emmett, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Great to be here. Um, I am delighted to have you because, as I mentioned, everyone who is listening in is going to get a really cool rundown of the Japanese market and what it is like for Irish whiskey and Irish you know, drinks producers going into the uh, Japanese market. And I'm going to be relying on your in- fantastic knowledge of the market uh, to do all of that. But before we jump in, I do want to say a big shout out to our sponsors. So Dingle Distillery has been creating some of the most beautiful handcrafted spirits since 2012. Dingle Gin was awarded the world's best gin in 2019, and Dingle Vodka was announced as the best Irish vodka in 2021. Dingle whiskey continuously matures in the mild, moist climate of Ireland's southwest coast. Hand cut from the edge, keep your eyes peeled for something very special in May 2021. And of course, aged for five long years, the McConnell's fine blend of Irish malt and grain whiskies is gently rested in select bourbon casts, bringing out beautiful overtones of vanilla sweetness and providing a deep oak woodiness and light char to the finish. Follow McConnell's Whiskey across social media or visit McConnell's Irish Whiskey.com for more information. And of course, that is whiskey without a an knee. And finally, Two Stacks Irish Whiskey, a contemporary revival of Irish Whiskey Heritage, independently bottling and blending sourced pot still, malt and grain whiskeys from across Ireland's new and expanding Irish whiskey landscape. Find out more at two And a very big thank you to all three sponsors of this episode and of this series. But Back to the main man of the hour, Emmett. I'm delighted to have you here. As I mentioned, you are, uh, I suppose, a Japan uh, industry specialist right now, or at least um, you are one of the kind of forerunners uh, with your knowledge on the Japanese market. And um, to give people at home a little bit of background on you, um, you were uh, initially you went out to Japan with the Pernod and, and Pernod Ricard and Jamison as a brand development executive. And then uh, I believe you moved to Bacardi uh, for a senior advocacy associate role, um, both of which in Tokyo. And if you hadn't had enough Japan and enough of Tokyo at that point, uh, back you went with uh, Borbia as their market advisor for Japan, again, based in Tokyo. So uh Emmett how in the world did you end up uh going to Japan and and was that something on your on the cards before you ended up going out there with Jemison, or did you just have to pick up the kanji and and the Japanese language on the fly
0: oh god no no uh thankfully not Matt um yeah for me like finishing up in high school uh my Irish was pretty bad my French was pretty bad my English you know possible but uh I decided kind of wasn't sure what I was going to do in uni so I decided to do international business and, you know, I was like, well, I'd like to get a good standard of a language. So I decided to give Japanese a shot because, you know, at the very least, I would have got to go there for a year. And, you know, if I didn't like it, I could have always, you know, stopped studying it. But, yeah, coming out of uh, four years of uni as well, like, um, it, like I think like a lot of a lot of my classmates, a lot of my friends, uh, the gemson graduate program, you know, we were like, oh, would love to get on that you know because i used to be a bartender worked in the drinks industry through high school and college and was like international markets marketing you know be fantastic but like irish distillers you know after the interviews they took one look at me and they were like oh you speak japanese and i was like yeah and it's like well you're going to japan and that's basically where i've been for the last what just over four years with uh with my roles, yeah, with initially with Perno and then with Bacardi and then again with Bordia. So back in Ireland now, uh, trying to get a bit more international experience. It's great being the Japanese guy, but you know, I don't want to get typecast as well in my career. So,
1: well, I mean, you said, of course, they, they took one look at you and sent you to Japan. It would have been really weird if they sent you to Kazakhstan, just on a side note uh oh definitely yeah um so i mean you say you're joining us actually uh people won't know this but yourself and myself geographically are very close to each other um we're only about down the road from each other but this of course is a a nice covid friendly online uh interview um you were back in japan recently uh i know and we'll get back to that a little bit and i suppose it'd be interesting to see what the kind of the covid world of of tokyo um is like and but for people at home that don't know you know Japan is is an important market uh for Irish whiskey it's the 27th largest market which doesn't sound you know like the the biggest thing in the world but of course the top 30 are the real target markets for the growth of Irish whiskey globally doing about just shy of 50,000 uh, 9 liter cases in 2019 which is the the latest stats they have access to there but it's growing at a very healthy 20% per annum So you know it's it's a it's a good market it's it's a focus market for a lot of different um, Irish whiskey companies, and I suppose, but in some ways as well you know we're looking um, we're we're uh, looking into you know a hierarchical society uh, which we're very heterocultural here it obviously has its own challenges you know uh, its own. barriers to entry and 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 I know from my experience of of working in Japan on short short market exp, uh, excursions um that while many Japanese people may speak some English uh cannot often be quite embarrassed to speak English for fear of uh, you know embarrassing themselves and even me starting with the 10 words of Japanese I know often accidentally wrangles me into a fully Japanese conversation <laughs> that I was not banking on um so what i suppose what is it like for you know Irish uh, businesses entering the Japanese market.
0: Yeah. Like, like we were saying, Matt, like Japan's a very unique place. They're very kind of monocultural still. And, you know, that level of English, you know, that they get a decent, decent enough, you know, reading and writing ability, but you know, the spoken, like ourselves, I suppose learning Irish and French, uh, in school in Ireland, you know, there's not a real emphasis on speaking, which is a shame, but like even compared to likes of Korea and then, you know, obviously the likes of uh, Hong Kong and even Thailand, you know, the level of English just isn't really there. And, um, you know, in terms of Western countries as well, you know, like foreign countries outside of Asia, you know, the USA is what springs out the Japanese people. And then like old empires like uh, France, Germany, Italy, you know, they love their food, they love their beer, uh, they love their wine, you know, they have a great awareness of these countries. Yeah, but for Ireland, so many Japanese people, they're like, what's that i don't i don't know that like the pronunciation for ireland is either which is incredibly similar to iceland which is Isurando. and uh, you get a lot of people being like oh yeah Reykjavik," and i'm like what what are we talking about and uh, yeah you know people try to lump us in with the uk you know there's not a great awareness but like i've had older japanese men come up to me and be like oh yeah the troubles the north and that sort of stuff but they have an awareness that like some people have a great awareness of ireland like, I've, I've met so many old, old guys in pubs being like, oh, I love the Pogues. And then, you know, you meet the regular kind of Japanese on the street and they're like, yeah, I don't know what this country is. So big challenge there. And, you know, Board Bia opened the, off- opened the office there in uh, 2018. And, um, you know, they're doing a lot. Uh, I was very happy to be a part of a big kind of uphill struggle. But, you know, we've great quality food and drink. And, you know, once you kind of get that in front of the right people, you know it's building that association and you know it's only going to go up from here as well
1: and like you said you know uh, my experience japan was was very similar the you know the I I was I was uh, blown away by, you know, they've such they've they've cue points. They've kind of almost stolen from us in the sense that, you know, you've emerald car, which is the like premium cars uh, in the trains. And they've got, you know, the same thing with the taxis. They've shamrocks on their emerald cars the shamrocks everywhere. They're lucky four leaf clovers, everything which in no way are associated back to the Irish, which I thought was hilarious. I was trying to explain to our Japanese importers in work you know that the the lucky shamrock emeralds which they presented to me as like oh this is a good sign of good luck from the japanese i was like these are look no they're lucky because of us (laughs) this is our thing and when i have the same experience speaking to japanese you know producers and and um and retailers that you know after you know one of the things I'd experienced was they're very concerned about food safe nations. And I presume that has to do with, with, you know, a bit of history of, of not <laughs> receiving food-safe, uh, food, safe foods from different nations. Um, but the, uh, the, I, the similar thing to you, I, people not understanding the country whatsoever uh, except that we're a food safe nation. No idea where we were. We made f- safe food and good food and that was it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I suppose Good. Well done to B for getting that through, at least.
0: <laughs> I definitely think, uh, obviously benefited from the World Cup, you know, kind of we went in, people were like, oh, God, Japan are playing Ireland, Ireland are meant to be a really strong team. And I actually think we kind of benefited more from losing to Japan in that game, because then everybody's like, oh, yeah, we beat that really strong team, Ireland, rather than being like, oh, yeah, Japan was bulldozed by another great rugby team. So, yeah, no, you know, you get people like in my meetings and stuff, they're like, Oh yes, sorry, sorry about beating you guys. And I was like, once you remember what Ireland is, that's kind of the important thing for me. So,
1: um, so as you said, that they opened the office in 2018, and and I know that you, there's a you know Joe Moore is out there in in Tokyo, and then Karen Gallagher is looking after kind of you know uh kind of asia pacific region east asia and um, out of singapore um, and it's great to see you know more and more uh, focus on drinks and then of course you came in as well with the market uh, with the market specialist knowledge um i suppose for the average japanese person what you know I, we've already established they're not too familiar with ireland but um what about irish whiskey and and you know for those who are experiencing irish whiskey how and where is it consumed
0: yeah so like you were saying before matt like japan one of the biggest kind of whiskey drinking nations in the world but unfortunately you know irish still makes up that quite quite a small small bit of it last time i checked i think it was probably 0.2 percent of the entire whiskey consumed which is you know kind of small but there's a reason for that as well like ireland we don't make standard whiskey and we make like all the whiskey we make is premium and then you know even now with the new distilleries coming online new brands and um, you know super premium ultra premium is becoming that much more important so particularly so take the likes of like jemison or tullamore jew in most countries you know that's cheap enough to be you know on the rail a house port, that sort of thing but in japan you know a bottle of japanese whiskey uh which as we now know may or may not be made in japan um, would be about half the price uh, but even then, like blended scotches, like Dewars as well, you know, still that much cheaper than Jameson. Like Japan, kind of has like, you know, very fortunate place if you like spirits that the import tax is really low. Um, so you know, like a bottle of whiskey in Japan, like a bottle of Jameson would, would be cheaper than it would be here. So what we're seeing is, um, like we were talking about before we started, like the izakaya is kind of the the typical Japanese place to drink. So an izakaya, for those of you who don't know would be like uh, a typical Japanese kind of dining pub, very kind of like informal, everybody's sitting down, you're eating food, you're drinking. Um, it's almost like, people call it like tapas, like Japanese tapas or like japas, but uh, it's its its own thing as well. It's very kind of like after work with friends sort of thing. Like a lot of uh, a lot of the bars and stuff would have an all you can drink plan as well, which kind of beggars belief to uh, those of us in the West, but you know, in Japan, a lot of people would be happy just having maybe, you know, three, four or five, you know relatively small drinks and for whiskey uh the majority of that makes up highballs which you know in other countries you know a gin and tonic is a highball a a rum coke is a highball but in japan highball really specifically refers to uh whiskey and soda water which may or may not have you know a slice of lemon or slice of lime in it but that's really how the japanese uh most typical japanese especially those who aren't particularly huge into whiskey would be uh would be drinking and you know that goes with the food as well you know a lot of people aren't going to drink straight whiskey for their first drink or even alongside food. So that's really where the volume comes from in Japan. That highball serve is, is critical to drinking in Japan. And it's great. We're seeing, you know, um, alcohol companies kind of learn from that. And, you know, we're seeing more and more highballs come across the West.
1: Yeah, and I, I find that, you know, just on a on side you note, know, the the history of the highball in Japan is very, you know, interesting. I think the Suntory noticed that they have two bars in in japan that were outselling you know whole state or prefectures um and then when they went to investigate it was one bar that was selling highballs and had learned it from the other bar that was the people who kind of started the the highballs um and, and really took off from there um and it's definitely a very different um consuming experience you know i i've been in in bars in kyoto where people are ordering you know Macallan 25 highballs and you know hardback 30 highballs and it's uh you know there's very much a kind of a, a stature bragging rights to to how, how expensive or how extreme of a flavor you can get into that highball. Um, but for you know, if for the you know, the average Japanese businessman after work into an izakaya, um, are is is whiskey even in highballs a big thing, or are they looking towards you know, uh, home produced spirits and you know, Nihon shoes, sake, soshu? Um, would they be more uh, popularly consumed in izakaya's or would whiskey be on the menu?
0: Well, whiskey's definitely kind of jumping up. And like like you said, that's that's down to Suntory because I think up until, you know, post-World War II and stuff, highballs were a thing. But uh, it peaked really, you know, started the 80s and then, you know, the bubble economy, you know, Japan was loaded. Uh, People were getting a taste for more like imported spirits, that sort of thing, obviously like champagne, uh cognac but then you know early early 2000s uh Suntory were like no 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 we we're sitting on all this whiskey you know uh the Kakubin is there you know their kind of standard whiskey bottle that you'd get in a an izakaya and yeah they were like you know we have to bring that back but yeah um yeah like shochu would traditionally so shochu for those you don't know kind of similar to our pochin it's kind of uh a distilled spirit you can make it from a lot of different things you know rice barley um sweet potatoes as well but it tends to be kind of low, kind of lower in abv similar to soju in uh korea for those of you familiar with korea as well uh but you know the japanese would traditionally you know mix that with soda water as well or you know kind of like a lemonade and that would be a chew high so a shochu highball and um, so the culture's always kind of been there but it, it kind of, you kind of see it even, even now kind of some younger people are moving away from drinking whiskey highballs and they're drinking lemon sours, which is shochu with, um, kind of lemon concentrate and soda water. And that recently there's been a ridiculous boom of that in the last like two years, like, uh, different izakai is doing like frozen versions. You might get, you know, half a lemon in it and you have to like, uh, mash it up yourself, uh, with a mortar and pestle and that sort of stuff. You know it, it it just kind of comes and goes like japan i would say much more than other countries they're super trend focused they love limited editions you know something may seem like it's the most popular thing in the world but won't necessarily last the test of time but then alongside that as well like beer is slowly declining but that culture of toriaisu nama tori beer like as soon as the salary men go in they're like we're just getting beers for the table well, you know, order whatever else you want after that. And then, you know, as the night goes on, they'll start drinking Nihonshu, you know, famous that Japanese rice wine sake. Um, and yeah, it, it really is just, you know, it, it really depends on, you know, who you're with and what you're drinking. But definitely we're kind of seeing that whiskey highball kind of t- starting to take over from beer. You know, it still goes with food. Um, it's not as filling. It's not as high calorie. You know, Japan in the last few years has been, uh, fitness craze has been really kicking off there. So people are kind of getting more concerned with, you know, eating fried food, drinking too much uh, booze, drinking too much beer, that sort of thing. Just kind of more focus on health. But, you know, with that highball, you can still get still get your drinks in.
1: I'm horrified to hear that because Japanese fried chicken is the best thing I've ever tasted in my life. So uh, if you think you like fried chicken, you need to have Japanese fried chicken. I didn't get it. I didn't think it would be a thing. And I tried it in Izakaya and it was, it was possible with actually Joe Moore yeah uh, and it's possibly the best thing i've i've ever consumed in my life anyway um we're talking a lot about you know the kind of on trade the different bars um and the and the highballs uh, is irish whiskey finding its way into highballs or are they taking a different approach uh, as a as a main consumer serve
0: no definitely um you know that that does more kind of um standard premium the likes of jameson and stuff you know the highballs is huge um you know from yourself being in, in industry uh most countries it's you know Jameson ginger lime and when i worked for Jameson you know that that was the big push in japan as well but like yeah that highball served Jameson soda water uh usually with lime as well uh because you know it it fits with the narrative uh that would be like that's where we were seeing most of the volume for Jameson when i worked there you know uh if you're drinking unless you're drinking particularly good whiskey and even like you said before even if it is particularly good whiskey Uh, you know you might be putting soda water in it like that's like we're we're seeing more and more super premium stuff come in and you know the whiskey geeks and the whiskey aficionados who go in and really love their whiskey will be drinking it straight will be drinking it you know twice up enjoying it in different ways that sort of thing but I think for the majority of uh, Japanese people the kind of guy in the street uh, and the guy who's you know buying a bottle of whiskey from the supermarket uh, you're kind of seeing you know the highball as the kind of uh serve both you know on trade but also in the home as well you know most people uh like the likes of Jim Beam which is being pushed by Suntory now because you know the stocks of their own Japanese whiskey is declining so they're kind of subbing in Jim Beam uh, which is very interesting to me as well uh because you know the flavor profile of Japanese whiskey is very different to that of bourbon but uh you know they're seeing in most supermarkets you're seeing that vat that value-added pack where you know you get your uh you get your glass you get you get your stir you know so you can make easily make those highballs at home but yeah that's really like where we're seeing um where that growth's coming from and irish does fit into that and um, you know in more expensive kind of higher um class not necessarily bars but maybe certain chain bars or high class izakayas. you know you will see uh irish whiskey kind of being a house board being on that but you know in in terms of pricing and stuff like that as well um. You. Yeah. It, we're not going to see it overtake Japanese or overtake Scotch anytime soon, just because it's 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 that much more premium. It's it's that much more expensive.
1: <laughs> uh, and you know, from my experience, what well, well, little it may be, but um, I remember being in Okinawa and going to a restaurant for uh, Okonomiyaki. Uh, And being served just like from a tap, Jim Beam soda, and I just and again, as you said, it was in a Jim Beam glass, little wedges, lemon, a little stir, Uh, and it was very strange being in this like traditional Japanese restaurant, eating like the local, you know, Japanese food, and then here's just like a a big American highball thrust at you, and it wasn't even like a like it was kind of like here's a highball, what do you want? (laughs) because we just kind of assumed that that's what was coming so that's fair enough uh let me just take this moment to uh say another thank you to the sponsors of this episode so two stacks irish whiskey a contemporary revival of an irish whiskey heritage independently bottling and blending sourced pot still malt and grain whiskeys from across ireland's new and expanding irish whiskey landscape find out more at two and aged for five long years, the McConnell's fine blend of Irish malt and grain whiskies is gently rested in select bourbon casks, bringing out beautiful overtones of vanilla, sweetness, providing deep oak, woodiness, and light char to the finish. Follow McConnell's Whiskey across social media or visit mcconnellswhiskey.com for more information and importantly without the E. And of course, Dingle Distillery. It has been creating some of the most beautiful handcrafted spirits since 2012, Dingle Gin was awarded the world's best gin in 2019. And Dingle Vodka was just announced as the best Irish vodka for this year. Dingle Whiskey continuously matures in the mild, moist climate of Ireland's southwest coast. Hand cut from the edge and keep your eyes peeled for something very, very special in May 2021. So, in Japan, uh, Emmett, are people consuming at home pre COVID? Would people consume at home uh, in the normal kind of split we'd see in the West? Or are we skewing very heavily towards the on-trade? Or perhaps even on the off-trade?
0: Yeah, I definitely think um, from looking at the stats as well, I definitely think the kind of on-trade and definitely traditionally would have been kind of where the majority was going. You know, we're seeing that changing now in the last few years as kind of like work culture and stuff gets a bit better. It used to be like mandatory drinks, you know, you finish at six or seven or eight in the evening and then you're going for drinks with your boss. And that was kind of how you got ahead uh of your colleagues and that's kind of how you were kind of earmarked for promotion in japan thankfully now as well you know covid's only amplifying this as well we're seeing people move away from that you know people spending more time with their families drinking less you know but there's a one one trend in particular emerges quite a lot you know that at home drinking is really coming to a fore now but so high abv or tds so ready to drink just in a can um, it would be like you know kind of like a strong white cloth but not quite the same thing like uh, especially younger Japanese would be going home after a long day of work having one of those and you know getting a bit of a buzz but that that kind of being it but that that's something that's kind of emerging as well and just something I found like very very interesting and how the kind of drinking is going
1: and when you say that there's uh the strong white claw. I know that there's uh you know, Suntori has has kind of a, a stranglehold over over that particular market because there's a lot of uh different um I, one of the things as well I found very interesting was the kind of vending machines on every street corner, subway station, metro station, uh where you could buy one of the things that fascinated me was hot coffee from the vending like it was like a hot can of coffee. Um as well as the fact that you could get um, you know, in hotels or whatever it is, you could get Suntory highballs, you could get Kieran uh beer, you get Kieran highballs. Um and you know, it's very interesting to see how, and I've often wondered how the Western RTDs would make it into that market. Because usually larger can formats than the the slims we'd see in, in Europe or the US, and at a higher percent, I'm trying to think of the Suntori. Uh, It was Suntory Ace, or or along those lines, it's nine, maybe 11% uh, alcohol by volume, which is uh, a a very different uh, offering than what I suppose we're used to in the RTD market here, Um, and I suppose very interesting. Um, If you were, you know, perhaps back in your board, be a hat or or a consulting hat, and we're talking to, you know, a new Irish uh, whiskey company or distillery that was looking at the Japanese market. You know what are what are the things you you'd advise them to look at, and you know how to get you know past all the you know Japanese bureaucracy and paperwork because let me tell you that is hell.
0: <laughs> I think the most important thing uh, to keep in mind, Matt, when looking at Japan, it's these things take time. Uh, it's not like a lot of other Asian countries where it's kind of like you might get a kind of like a wheeler-dealer importer coming up to you and be like, "Oh yeah, I'll 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 buy a you know a pallet or half a container." Uh, no bother like the Japanese very traditional a lot of these companies have been around you know since before the turn of the century you know a century ago as well Um, and there's a reason for that as you know they're very risk averse they like to take their time they will hammer you on price in a lot of cases but they'll still want that relationship there they'll want to build this relationship going for long term like you know changing importers and stuff I, I know when I was at Perno absolute didn't do that well in japan and i was kind of like why well, you know it's a good product um you know it's quite big internationally that sort of stuff they're like oh it changed hands like two or three times in uh, say 20 30 years and you know that really really hurt the brand because you know you've to kind of go back and those relationships that would have been there through the old importer wouldn't necessarily be there for you know whoever was taking care of it now but yeah time you know you got to get to market very few companies uh would get uh, the interest of an importer without a face to face meeting uh you know ideally you want to come to foodex uh which is
1: in tokyo. march
0: march in tokyo uh every year you know biggest i think it's biggest food trade show in asia if i'm not wrong but that's you know when importers are looking for new products other than that you know it doesn't hurt to put the feelers out there you know send an english email to uh to one of the japanese importers but you know cold calling doesn't go down super well here and I, I even, I even found with like board beer, you know, I had the most success with importers that I knew from being in market and being, you know, at a rival booth at a whiskey show, and you know, meeting them for a drink after. But you know, even just reaching out and saying, "Hi, I'm Emma. I work for Board Beer. I'd like to talk to you about, you know, Irish spirits," and they're like, "Well, we're not looking for anything at the moment. You're fine." And I was like, "Oh yeah, but it would be nice to meet." And they're like, nah, we're too busy." That sort of thing. You know, they're very, they're very good at uh when they want something, they know they want something. They can find it very quickly. But if you're trying to introduce something to them, uh, you'd want to have your homework done, and you want to be able to kind of seduce them because they're not like they don't suffer fools. They're very discerning, and uh, they take their time. So.
1: Yeah, and and uh, you know, as I think one of, one of the great things I've learned recently was that you you might be in a selling cycle, but they're not in a buying cycle, and, and that doesn't always uh, <laughs> help in the overlapping. Um, but as you mentioned, Food X there is an absolutely um, stunning arrangement uh, in, in Japan. And if anyone remembers uh, our first introduction to Hinch Whiskey on Potsdell's uh, radio, uh, we actually came live from FoodX uh, in 2018 with um, a, a very interesting and uh, a very loud uh, uh, um, event hall in tokyo and um, i think uh, Hinch was uh, at the invest ni stand in hall two and i was in a uh, japanese drinks area uh in hall 13 and it took about 25 minutes for me to walk from one to the other it was so outrageously large and um, it was it's possibly one of the most fascinating shows i've ever been to in my life um and it was, uh, yeah, no, that's that's a serious show. I was also put next to the shochu uh, section, so I know it's a huge. I'm a huge shochu fan, uh, so I, I had a great time. So <laughs> a fantastic show for me. Um, and if uh, you know, do you foresee like do, do the importers in in Japan? Do they specialize in terms of like on trade, off trade, or you know, as you said, a lot of them would be around for the you know over a hundred years or so they're risk adverse. Um, and I know many Japanese companies also have, you know, vast diversifications, you know, like I remember being on the the bullet train between um, Tokyo and Kyoto and seeing the Mishibishi toilet factory um, off in the distance. There's a lot of, you know, different, you know, Japanese industries that are known for having that kind of split, you know, main business. And then, you know, I've, I've worked with and discussed with, you know, drinks importers who also make underwear and sweets and, you know, export cars, et cetera, you know, do you have specialized drinks uh, companies like that or do they specialize on trade-off trade trade, or just a little bit of everything?
0: Um, Yeah, there's definitely that range there, Matt. You know, you do have the kind of of jack-of-all-trades. I find that, like in my experience working with Board B and also myself, like you'll get guys who only import alcohol um, and then you'll get guys who import alcohol and food. And, you know, levering those relationships, it's just kind of like what the history of their business was. They might've seen that. You know, we're doing a lot of mead or we're doing a lot of something into hotels, you know, it'd be good if we had uh, a few brands of wine or a few brands of spirits to sell alongside that. And as well, yeah, like you said, um, I think it's important to mind that, uh, probably should have mentioned that when we were talking about the ready to drinks, but, you know, Japan, unlike most other countries, is, is dominated by the four big beer companies and their contracts, you know, both on and off trade. So we're uh, looking at Asahi, Kirin, uh, Suntory and Sapporo as well. So, you know, if they've got the pouring contract for, you know, the beer, they're going to have all their spirits uh, behind the bar and all their spirits are going to be house pour as well. And you'll kind of see that in retail as well. Like their offerings will dominate the retail space. So definitely, I definitely think for the smaller importers, they have to be more specialized, not necessarily focusing more on the on or off trade, but definitely, you know, if they're focusing on the on trade, they'll be going to whiskey bars more so than, you know, big chains our uh kind of specialist liquor stores who would have uh, a lot of different kinds of like you know niche more expensive products um it's yeah it's just kind of knowing their market you know there's uh the different importers you know it really really depends on their size and also what they're specialized in so
1: that's fair enough and from the likes of uh you know you've kind of vast experience now in Japan, you know, from from an Irish point of view, and then secondly, from a maybe a European point of view, what imported uh, beverages are you seeing kind of the most success in? Uh, you know, with the likes of now, I've I know from experience that cream liqueurs are almost impossible to get into Japan. There's a number of uh, ingredients. That are allowed to be used by Japanese companies that are banned for foreign companies to ship in, which makes cream liqueurs almost impossible to get into the country. But apart, you know, apart from that, what in the Irish sphere are you seeing success in or growth in? And then reflecting against a, maybe a different sphere, the European side. Yeah, no,
0: definitely. Um, like whiskey is definitely going to be the way forward for Ireland for the next, you know, five to ten years. Whiskey itself, premium whiskies in particular, are growing. You know the the market share play is there for Ar- Ireland. You know the market share is tiny, but I will say you know it's going to be a bit more different or a bit more difficult for um, for us for the Irish spirits industry in terms of other drinks. You know vodka isn't that big in Japan, and um, it never has been that big because of shochu. You're like, why why would I buy vodka? It's you know you know double the price in terms of volume compared to shochu. Uh, so there's never been a huge even even the premium market for vodka you know isn't that big in terms of clubs you know in most clubs in Asia you know you might get vodka cranberry vodka soda that sort of stuff but in clubs in Japan you know champagne is much bigger and and then as well even for the likes of gin uh, even the craft gin space there's you know 30 domestic craft gin brand over 30 domestic craft gin brands Uh, Ireland doesn't have that kind of country of origin that you know the UK would and kind of the Nordics and Germany and stuff have a, have a head start. So crafting kind of a bit more difficult as well. And then pushing, you know, quite interesting. There is at least, there's at least two brands now that I know of in Japan, but it's kind of definitely a hard sell. It's kind of more of, you know, a stronger version of shochu, you know, it's different. I definitely think if you're kind of coming from that angle, you know, the unique kind of cocktails, like the Belfast coffee and stuff, because, you know japanese a lot of japanese bartenders at least will know irish coffees and you know hot drinks as well japan you know can we have quite harsh winters so hot drinks go down well but yeah just i definitely think the kind of growth there uh is is there for whiskey you know it's only going to it's only going to improve you know when i was at perno we launched redbreast before that you know the most premium irish whiskey would have been kind of the the trade offs for jameson uh, you know, 12 and then going into Black Barrel when it was launched. But it's definitely, you know, we're seeing the likes of uh, a lot of the smaller Irish guys, you know, get into market with their more expensive aged offerings. I definitely think, you know, as the awareness around Ireland, uh, you know, the rising tide is going to carry all boats. But I would definitely say that, you know, and any, any Irish company, uh, if, if they've got a, a super premium, multi-premium product, should be looking at Japan for the future.
1: And are there flavor profiles that the Japanese look for in terms of whiskeys that perhaps you know would ma- you know is, is bourbon matured a, a selling point or is is it all sherry going on in 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 Japan?
0: No, I definitely think uh, bourbon and sherry. You know the guys who know about whiskey know about whiskey. Like going to a whiskey show, um, it, it's incredible. You know it really depends on the the person as well. But the Japanese really like. Uh, peated whiskeys and I was quite surprised but you kind of look at it as well like the majority there's still a huge number of people who smoke in Japan especially the older boys so they have no problem kind of um, going for the the likes of Ardbeg and stuff like that as well but you know we're looking at these brands and they've been in market since the 70s as well so there's huge there's been huge branding and huge sales pushes behind these brands so I would definitely think uh, you know compared to other markets it's going to be a lot harder for Irish to come in Uh, an Irish brand to come in without significant investment in the short term and get a big sales push or like explode in the market. I would definitely think that, uh, you know, you want to come to market, have have a great offering. I definitely, uh, Japanese, you know, whiskey heads, they like an age statement as well. It's very hard to say, you know, I'm selling this premium Irish blend for, you know, the equivalent of 50 euro. They They can get a 12, 15 year old bottle of scotch, single malt for that as well. So, you know, it's unless it tastes absolutely fantastic, which, you know, most Irish does, you know, it's going to be hard to get those uh, customers, you know, swapping. It, it. It's really like that value play is uh, going to be pretty important, I think.
1: And for for those Irish producers that do have, um, you know, peated portfolios, what are the the key buzzwords for Japanese? For you know, does peat translate, or is there a different? You know, you know, are are the Japanese looking towards brand names, or are they understanding that uh, that 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 kind of linguistic profiling? Um. Yeah. Peat is obviously kind of harder to explain in
0: in Japanese. You know, they don't have they don't have it themselves. They don't have bogs, that sort of thing. I definitely say you know calling out stuff like Smoky. Smoky is probably the most important thing to call out there, even if you know it. You might it might be peated. It might that might not be the main flavor profile, but that's the kind of one you want to push. So we're looking, just say Suntory, a good example. Um, in the last sort of year or so, they were doing a big push with teachers. They're blended Scotch and you know they were like it's the smoky blended scotch like those simple messages particularly for kind of retail and if you're going to be doing tv and radio ads it's a very simple message but like on the other side of the spectrum you know don't be afraid to use really really complicated language if you're talking to importers if you're talking to people on trade you know uh, Japanese bartenders they know their stuff and real Japanese whiskey drinkers know their stuff as well so I wouldn't Definitely keep a simple message for when you need it, but you know, don't be afraid to like people love to hear about, you know, um, they want to hear as much as they can about it. And, you know, that's gonna be harder for you as well if you're like, oh well, we bought our whiskey, you know, we may have matured it ourselves or we do the blend ourselves. But you know, if if you don't have your own distillery, I think that's that's a that's a harder thing um to get the Japanese on board with as well
1: and when in terms of, of packaging in, in Japan um you know one, one of the one of the tenets i i've i stick by is to never translate a brand name um and i presume you know japan has that kind of culture that that many asian countries do they look for the imported western brands um for you know there's 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 some pull there much way in ireland you'll see pull with different imported products as well and when it comes to you know back label for producers um, do you see more merit in an English label over stickered with information to, you know, push home that, uh, you know, imported foreign uh, aspect or would a, a translated back label bespoke for the Japanese market be more beneficial to tell that story?
0: Yeah. Um, I would say le- less so in terms of label, but definitely, you know, it, you know, it'd be good to have a website, have Japanese information, you know, be able to have a brochure or that sort of stuff to kind of give to people. But no, I wouldn't worry about a back label, really. Um, you know, importers have to put a, you know, Japanese back sticker on it anyway, so you yeah. can kind of get that information on that. Uh, yeah, I, I I wouldn't worry too much about it, to be honest, from my personal
1: experience. Okay. That's fair enough. Do you have any, I suppose, key tips for people who are looking to to push themselves towards the Japanese market as as producers or?
0: Yeah, I would say um, e-commerce is becoming more and more important now. Um, obviously, once you kind of enter the market, like I said, the most important thing before you do is, uh, you know, take your time. Um, time is, you like, things do take time. And like I, I've heard of other brands just kind of definitely kind of encouraging that kind of tourist play as well. I've heard a lot of Japanese importers going over to Ireland and from that discovering new brands to bring over as well and um, something important to keep in mind. Um, but yeah, no, definitely, you know, take your time Um know where you're going to sell. You know, it's, it's not like, you know, Ireland, it's not like the U S where you can go into a pub and the back bar is going to be full of whiskey. It's not, like there's, you're gonna, we're still building the category as well. So these these things take time, but definitely kind of be accessible. Like I think e-commerce is fantastic for smaller brands as well. You know, um, people can Google, you know, if you can get if you can get on Rakuten on Amazon or even just um, get on a, a Rakuten store that may belong to one of your uh, alcohol distributors, that'd be ideal. You know, that means that, you know, you could get a guy up the North of Hokkaido maybe never no not not that much interest in even irish whiskey but if he sees your brand you know he likes the look of it he can read about it it's like oh it's you know half sherry cast that sort of thing um you know he can click he can taste it and like word of mouth is so important here because you're not going to have the advertising spend that you know Suntory or asahi have so
1: and in terms of prefectures or cities um are, are there target cities you'd send people towards? Would you be looking at Ito or Osaka or, or, you know, is it, is it very much for imported whiskies? Is Tokyo the, the, the place to be?
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Like to- Tokyo is the most, definitely the most important. It's, you know, where the most of the money is and it's, you know, where you're going to find most brands uh, having their spend as well. If you can definitely Osaka as well, also, Osaka, you know, big city as well, but I would definitely say don't go, particularly regional in japan don't make any regional plays it's not like the u.s that has like massive cities all over the country um and definitely in terms of the ways of drinking you know the more rural you get in japan um the more kind of traditional it'll be and they'll be dominated by traditional brands or shochu or you know highballs and that sort of stuff as well so i would definitely say you know focus on tokyo and then to a lesser extent osaka um because that's where that's where you want to win
1: so you're not saying you, you don't think we should be all rushing to Fukuoka, Japan and South Island just to to get our whiskeys in there? <laughs> uh, Definitely
0: not. Like, obviously, if if you can come be there, it's great. But like even Fukuoka as well, uh, got a very kind of traditional kind of kind of girls bar, hostess bar is where the kind of sales are coming from. And, you know, that's champagne, that's cognac, that's really expensive whiskey. You know, you're not. There's not going to be that many pubs. There's not going to be that many whiskey bars. So it's it's just knowing the market, you know. Um, but yeah, obviously, Japan, if you don't have a Japanese speaker or, you know, maybe uh, if if your import is not that close to the market, it, it can be hard to, uh, to kind of get on top of these sort of things, which is kind of why, you know, I was able to kind of do what I was able to do. Um, you need somebody on the ground who can kind of speak the language and kind of know what's going on.
1: And, and I mentioned at the very beginning that, you know, we're, we're very uh, heterocultural societies here in the West, and Japan is, is probably one of the most famous hierar- hierarchical societies. And um, what kind of, you know, challenges or, or warnings or must-do's or must-not-do's must must would you give to Irish businesses moving towards a hierarchical society like Japan for doing business?
0: yeah japan as well you know that's that the that kind of like saving face i would definitely say there's formality formality is something to keep in mind um you know if you're coming here for business make sure you have business cards because that's just how it works here um business cards in yeah.
1: Japanese?
0: um not necessarily you know it'd be good to have it in katakana which is the kind of pronunciation of your name as it would be in english uh japanified i suppose uh, but no, not necessarily even even an English language one I think would be sufficient just so that you know has your email address, you know these people remember you um, that sort of thing. But yeah obviously make sure you're talking to the right person. Uh, you could get a you could get a younger guy who's super enthusiastic, would love your brand but you know if he's not the person calling the shots at the end of the day, um, you have to be conscious of that and kind of trying to get in front of the right people. Uh, as well for bigger companies they can be very siloed there might not be a lot of uh, internal communication and um, it's, it's kind of something to bear in mind but also you know be respectful very very kind of different way of doing things than the way we would kind of a bit more kind of structured uh yeah there's there's, there's a lot you know people have written books about written books about japanese business culture as well like let's not get into it too much if we're, uh, but yeah just something to keep in mind you know very 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 different um very different market
1: that's fair enough and are there any kind of um you know either japanese or english language you know uh websites or publications to you know be mindful of if you're you know either trying to check out the market or because i know that really the only one i know of is whiskey galore magazine um which is is a japanese language publication so i i have a few copies of it and obviously means absolutely nothing to me um are there, are there places that people should be, if a producer, you know, keeping an eye on, or if you're interested in, you know, I suppose, learning more about the whiskey industry in Japan, more that you could be looking towards?
0: Well, definitely. Um, well, there's always Google Translate, but we're kind of seeing now uh, a great website called uh, Um They're doing a lot of collaborating with Whiskey Galore now, and they're translating a lot of their stuff from the Japanese magazine into English. Um, it's run by a guy called Whiskey Richard. Um, he's one of the guys who was also pushing for that uh, that standardization of the Japanese um, definition of whiskey, along with uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Momoru Tsuchiya from um, Whiskey Galore as well. But yeah, no, I would definitely say communication in terms of kind of just kind of getting an insight into the Japanese alcohol market, not just for whiskey, but definitely kind of looking at trends, looking at new releases. Um, and there's a lot of his uh, historical pieces on that as well uh you know if you want to find more about how the japanese drink whiskey the origin of highballs in japan and that sort of thing as well i think definitely for um foreigners and non-japanese speakers i think that's a crucial resource if you want to get your hands but also you know depending on what country you're in you know board b for ireland invest northern ireland if you're in northern ireland and then for the us you know um the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture, their Exporters Association—you know—they have some fantastic uh, publications as well. So,
1: yeah, I think it was uh, communication was the for a very long time the only English language, I suppose, source for whiskey coming from Japan. I think, um, and obviously, a, a valuable asset for for people at home who don't know how to spell that. Can you give us a a, <laughs> a spelling for so people can look that up?
0: Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a portmanteau. It's a coming together of nomu is the Japanese to drink and then communication. But if you put them together, it's basically, you know, people coming together over drinks and being able to talk more freely. So that's uh, M-O-M-M-U-N-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. So no no communication. how it's spelled. If you just put that into Google, it'll come straight up. Really like in, I would say invaluable resource for anybody who wants to kind of get
1: a handle on I'm gonna do a little plug as well. I have uh I have some good uh uh whiskey and, and uh Sochu producing friends in Japan, uh of, of American origins, uh, who have uh both uh, published they're both uh uh sochu, uh prose and uh have published their own books on both Japanese drinks and Sochu and our more respectively. But they have a fantastic podcast called Japan Distilled that you can find uh it's all about all different drinks in Japan, whether it's rum, whiskey, soju, mori, um, uh, and you can find that on all the kind of Spotify, SoundClouds, uh, iTunes, and so on, and, and as well on japandistill.com. It is a podcast. I eagerly await the release, and there's two episodes a month, and uh, I find that a great, great source of information internally as well. Um, Emmett, we're we're running down the time here and I don't want to keep you too long. Um, but I suppose now you know you've you've returned home. Um, you you you've been in Ireland for for a little while, but you you travelled back to Tokyo recently, uh, doing a bit of work. Um, what what is e, or what was or what is I suppose COVID Tokyo like at the moment?
0: Yeah, so um, when I went over, they've come out of it now, uh, thankfully. But when I went over, the state of emergency was declared so um the government was really heavily incentivizing and encouraging bars and restaurants to close early so like that was last orders at seven and um, everybody out completely closed up by eight so that wasn't amazing for going back and i know definitely importers as well Um when i was over there initially during the first state of emergency with covid they were like you know the entree's fallen off the entree has died essentially so Definitely, in terms of you know, it's it's definitely better than Ireland, where everything's completely closed. But you know, it's it's going to be a while before things are back up and running as well. You know, we expected the Olympics to go off without a hitch this year, but like like we know now, they're not letting uh, they're not going to let foreigners into uh, attend the game. So yeah, definitely, like you know, not as bleak as it is back home in Ireland, but you know, definitely miles away from what it what it usually what it usually is but even even now it's cherry blossom season so you know people are drinking outside under cherry blossom trees you know having their rtds having their beers sort of thing so that that's kind of nice as well kind of similar to how things are going here in ireland um but yeah definitely like I'm, i'm looking forward to going back when things are you know settled down and kind of back to normal because you know tokyo especially just a fantastic place to to drink so many great different bars so many great different restaurants as well so
1: well, I mean, I really appreciate you giving us a fantastic insight into the Japanese market and um, very rare we have someone that comes from two different, I suppose, large multinational companies and um, focusing on house brands and then into the likes of Borbia, which is just quite frankly, a fantastic organization and resource to have for Irish drinks producers and, you know, uh, supporting a category as a whole and um, and, and in this series, we are going around the world and trying to interview and talk to people from different international markets of Irish whiskey. And I suppose we really can't culturally get from, whether it's hierarchical societies or from simply the consumption of whiskey, we probably couldn't get further away from Ireland uh, as we did with Japan. So I very much appreciate your time on that. Um, and for anyone out there is that is listening, uh, do feel free to like, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, reviews always help to bump us up the 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 numbers in terms of the itunes and uh, spotify settings you can find us all across uh, your uh, podcast platforms and um, if you want to get in touch feel free to uh, check us out on any of the um, social medias on instagram and twitter it's at Podstilled underscore and on facebook it is facebook.com forward slash You can also find us on potstilled.com as a website and um, and uh, so a very big thank you, Emmett, to you and, of course, to our sponsors, uh, Dingle uh, Distillery, McConnell's Irish Whiskey and Two Stacks Whiskey. And I suppose, Emmett, to you, uh, I say, uh, Thanks
0: very much, but I appreciate it. That was almost it.